Hi, this is Pastor Bob. To anyone out there that feels called in the ministry, and I'm not talking about just a pastor or evangelist, someone who preaches from behind the pulpit, but someone who helps other peoples in the congregation, what is the mark of a good minister? We're going to find it out from the life of a man named Epaphras in the book of Colossians. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's great to have you here today. And for those of you that have been watching for some time, welcome back again and again. And uh, you might, guys might think you're gluttons for punishment, but there's no way you can get too much. You can't be too much of a glutton for the Word of God, because I really don't know if there's that much of a limit on how much you can take into the Word of God. With natural food, yes, but not with spiritual food. You're to even meditate on it day and night. So we're glad to have you here. A praise report from Holly, and she says, thank you for your wonderful teaching. This is the main thing. We get a lot of these through Facebook, and so she sent this in. Just mainly just little one-liners, people telling us, you know, we love the teaching. Uh, haven't heard it like this before. Great explanation of this passage or something. And I want to thank you for doing that. If you'd like to, you know, uh, contact us, do the same thing. And, uh, you know, kind of keep it short. But again, I want to read them on the air and uh, just tell people how much you've been blessed by the Word of God. It's always good to tell people what the Word meant to you. In fact, so many people got other people born again because after they met Jesus, they just went and told what they had experienced. And so this broadcast is growing, but you know what? It grows because people are excited about it and tell other people too. And uh, so again, thank you for doing so. Why don't you turn with me today to Colossians, the first chapter. I want to talk to you about what makes a good pastor. Epaphras will be the uh, one we're going to talk about. In fact, he's only mentioned in two spots in the Word of God, both in the book of Colossians. He was the pastor of the church. He's mentioned in the first chapter. He's also mentioned in the last chapter. And I'm going to bring up both of them to really kind of explain to you what is a good pastor. And I teach in Bible schools, but I always admonish those in Bible schools, don't depend on this Bible school. Don't expect doors to open up because you hang your diploma on the wall or you tell people what uh, Bible college or, you know, what Bible school you went to. That's only part of it. And actually, honestly, I'm going to tell you what, sometimes it's even a small part of it and even not the most necessary part, getting involved in the church. I always tell students, don't take off for these two years you're here or three years. You get involved in a church somewhere Take what you learn here and put it to work in the church because really, honestly, learning to work with people, learning to deal with people is the major part of ministry, not how to put a sermon together and uh, you know which passages to take from because any part of the word of God will do. And it's good to be led by the Holy Spirit in that case. But all I can say is too, we often think of skills and preaching abilities, but the ability to get along with people and, and understand people is really of utmost importance. In fact, those who left our church and went to pass in different parts of the United States and even around the world, often said the same thing to me. I learned more in the church than I did in a Bible school. I'm not saying Bible schools are bad. No, they're great. In fact, I can highly recommend some for you, but don't depend on that one thing. Don't depend on your notes on how to make a sermon because you're going to find out most of your time is not going to be spent putting sermons together. You might even have to do that on your own time. While you're in that church, you're dealing with people, talking with people, counseling with people, dealing with things you never thought Christians would do or could do, but they are. So this is just part of it. And that's what really made Epaphras. I'm not sure Epaphras went to a school anywhere. It seems he was raised in the church under a pastor, then became the pastor. 
And again, I think again, this is probably one of the best ways to do it. Colossians chapter one tells us in verses six through eight, speaking about Epaphras, it says, which that's referring to the gospel. The gospel has come to you as it has also in all the world. He's not speaking here to Epaphras right now, but to the whole congregation. He said, the gospel has come to you as it has in all the world and is bringing forth or producing as it also is among you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. Let's talk about some things that, that uh, Paul is saying here about Epaphras. First of all, he says, for the whole congregation, the gospel was brought to you as it has been in the rest of the world, but in you, it's bringing forth and producing since the day you heard the gospel and heard of the grace of God in truth as you learn from Epaphras. He's simply saying the gospel is being preached around the world, but not everybody's coming to a full production or to discipleship, but you are. And it's happened from the very first day you heard the gospel and it came through Epaphras, and then now it's growing inside of you. And what he taught you from the very beginning of how you got saved was you knew the grace of God in the truth. You found out the grace of God in the word of God, and he led you to Jesus by the simple gospel of grace. But since that time, you've been growing in the word of God, and he says you've learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, again, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. So much is brought out of these verses. I think I can spend most of the day, but I want to talk to you again, those who feel like you have a call possibly to the ministry or even work in a church. What should you be doing? Or if you just attend a church, you volunteer in church. These are great passages for you. First of all, the gospel is received into a person's life and then should increase. That's what Paul said is bringing forth or increasing in you. This is what it should do. This can only happen when a person first becomes a Christian and then continues on to become a disciple. This is God's plan. God's plan is not for you just to become a Christian, but to become a disciple. If all he wanted you to do was become born again, and become a Christian, he'd haul you out of here, give you a personal rapture right after you believed in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But he wants you to keep on pursuing the gospel and the word of God and growing in the word of God to become a disciple. A disciple is one who lives like Jesus, thinks like Jesus. When you're born again, you have him inside of you. But when you become a disciple, he begins to come to the outside of you and you begin to look and talk and act just like Jesus himself. Jesus said this in John chapter eight, as Jesus was preaching to the multitudes and most of them were Jewish, it says in verse 30 through 32 of John eight, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. While he's preaching, they're believing in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide, the King James says continue. It means not just abide inside of him, but keep on continuing in my word. Then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. He said here, once you believed in me, that's fine. That's the starting point. That's not the ending point. We often think, well, he's been born again. Ah, that's it. That's all he needs. Well, to get into heaven, yes, but to be a success in life, you need to continue in the word of God past that point. The new birth comes by faith in Jesus, but growth comes by faith in the word. 
And word is where you transfer over after you're born again, and begin to grow in the word of God and learn the word of God. This is what brings great stability. This is what brings a great growth in your life and maturity. He said again, if you abide or continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Now, have you ever heard this statement? Oh, the truth will make you free. Well, that's not quite what it says. It's knowing the truth that makes you free. Just because you have a Bible in your house doesn't mean you've been set free. You got free when you got born again. But the truth of what he's saying here is there's a freedom beyond being born again. It's a freedom in life to have a relaxed attitude, peace in your life, undisturbed, knowing you can face the worst of circumstances to come out successful and peaceful on the other side. This is what the word of God will do for you. Salvation can occur in many places. In this particular story that we here have, have here of Epaphras, probably most of the congregation were saved in the church service because he says here that has been producing in you since the day you heard it and found the grace of God in truth. He's simply saying here, he preaches the word to you and he preached salvation from the word of God and you accepted Jesus in the church service. This is wonderful. But salvation can occur in so many places. In fact, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, not go into all the churches and preach the gospel. But should we have the gospel presented in church? Absolutely, positively, and some, and even sometimes in cases, many are born again in church, but the bulk of people, the great multitudes of people are born again in the world as people go into all the world and preach the gospel. But then he also goes on to say, and make disciples of all nations. And disciples of all nations is presented whenever after they are saved, churches begin. And discipleship mainly happens in the local church under a good pastor. And salvations mainly occur in many places outside of the church, on the streets, in the schools, in the businesses, and on the foreign fields. This is where we go to preach the gospel. But discipleship, again, requires mainly a local church under a good pastor. Discipleship requires a pastor who, as Epaphras has said here, loves people and teaches the word of God. Colossians happens to be one of Paul's strongest doctrinal books. There are two others. There's Romans and Ephesians, but because it's such a strong doctrinal book, as it was in the case of Ephesians, as it was in the case of Rome, also there must have been strong pastors there because Paul usually saved his strongest words for those who had a strong church. And Colossians is one of Paul's strongest doctrinal books written to one of the strongest doctrinal churches that understood the the word of God. Colossae has a great pastor who's teaching the word of God. We read in the opening of the book, jump over with me to the closing chapter, chapter four. It's almost like there's a greeting to the congregation and greeting the pastor. In chapter four, there's an exit from the church as he's ending this book, but also an exit by saying thank you, a double thank you again to Epaphras, the pastor of the church. Notice what it says in Colossians chapter four, verse 12 and 13. In this passage, as it was in the beginning, Paul brings out the immense love that Epaphras had for the congregation. Not only did he teach them the word of God without question, and he taught the word of God strongly, but he really loved his people. Two things that mark a great church is a church that preaches the word of God, but also a pastor who loves his people, a shepherd who loves the sheep, as Jesus himself 
And Epaphras was one of those who would give his life for the sheep, as even Jesus, the chief pastor, does for the church himself. Colossians 4, verse 12 and 13, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and for those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Let's talk about this for just a moment. What is Paul saying about this great pastor? Well, there's a number of things. He calls him, first of all, a fellow servant. Even though we are not found that, you know, Epaphras ever traveled with Paul, he still calls him a fellow servant. Why? Because whether he traveled with him or not, he's in the same occupation. He's in the same yoke with him as a fellow servant. And they are like oxen pulling, you know, the plow behind them. And they're plowing the hard ground, making it uh, fallow and then planting the seed of God's word. And this is what a pastor does. And he said, he's faithful to do these things. He's a bond servant, always laboring fervently. And he's a faithful minister of God for the congregation. So how wonderful it is here in these verses of scripture. Paul identifies him as part of his spiritual team, although Epaphras did not travel with him. I'm here to tell you that there's many ministers I've never met, but won't meet till I get to heaven. You know what? We were on the same spiritual team. If you believe in the new birth and getting people to grow up in the things of God by teaching them the word, we are on the same spiritual team, although we've never met because it's part of the body of Christ. And that is universal worldwide today. When we get back, we're going to talk more about this, but the announcer is going to talk about my book called A God's Word to Pastors. You can have a copy of this for yourself. They're going to tell you how you can have one. I'll be right back after halftime. This newly revised and expanded handbook is packed with biblical wisdom and practical guidance from the pastoral trenches. It will help to equip and encourage you in your ministry. Bobby Endian, a veteran pastor of more than 30 years, provides answers to common questions relating to your everyday pastoral duties and personal life. Bob covers topics such as the First Pastors Conference in Acts 20, Passion versus Calling, Daily Schedules, Living a Balanced Life, Wolves After Your Sheep, The Glorious Church, Pastors Need Pastors, Whose Flock Do You Pastor, Spiritual Workaholics, Family Before Ministry, The Pastor's Heart, and The Bond of Peace. Bob will help you apply timeless biblical wisdom to the issues and dynamics of today's pastoral ministry. To order, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. 
You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. I simply want to tell you, if you order that book, that book on God's Word to Pastors, whether you're a pastor or not, I think everyone needs to read it because you can grow up in it. You know, inside of you is a little pastor. I mean, you like to instruct people in things of the Word of God, a small teacher inside of you. And uh, you love your you love your friends around you, you love your family, and you want to give them the gospel like they would in church. In essence, there's a little bit of pastor in everybody, and I think it's important that you read the book. So, I, you know, say, yeah, but most of us from Timothy and Titus and other things, yes, it is. And from from this book on Colossians and Epaphras is mentioned in there, say, yeah, but you know, those people are called in the ministry. You are too. And listen, there's nothing above the book of, of Timothy or Titus that tells you this is a pastoral book. It doesn't say that. It's just like every other book in the New Testament. Although Paul is addressing the pastor, he's still addressing you because why? There's a little pastor inside of you. There's a little teacher inside of you. There's a little prophet inside of you. A little bit of those things, even though there's specific gifts that stand out in you and specific offices that stand out in you, yet we have a blending together. There's a little bit of everything inside of us you'll be blessed by the book. And on top of that, I think it's great to order it and give it to your pastor. And just say, if this book blessed you, it's gonna bless him. So again, thank you. Let's turn to Colossians 4 again. This is where we've been, we left off here at the end of the first half. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says, again, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ greets you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. Not only did he have a great zeal for them and intensity to get the word to them, he had a great love for them and that was found in the first chapter. He here again is called a fellow servant. He is part of Paul's spiritual team. And like I said, Epaphras didn't travel with them. Uh, the traveling companions are mentioned quite often, but Epaphras is not there. But yet Epaphras is teaching the same word of God. And listen, what uh, what Timothy, what Titus, what others were getting from Paul as they traveled with him personally, Epaphras was getting from his first pastor and also from the word of God himself and perhaps might even have had copies of some of Paul's uh, teaching to other churches like the book of Ephesus or Romans or something. A copy had been given to him and he could study those. So even though he did not have a physical person to travel with on the road, he had been under the pastor here because again, he said, Epaphras, who is one of you. Let's talk about that here in just a moment. But Epaphras taught his congregation in the grace of God. This was found in chapter one and verse seven. This was his main message. And he wanted them to remain on the same foundation as they begin when they were saved. What's it simply saying? The grace of God is taught in the word of God. And we are saved by grace through faith. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. We find out in chapter four of the book of Romans that uh, Paul uh, mentioned there of Abraham. Abraham was saved by grace through faith. He mentions later on that same chapter, David saved by grace through faith. And that's the same way with us. In other words, we get saved by what the word of God says. We grow by what the word of God says. There's very little in the Bible that tells you about how to get born again. In fact, if we took all the verses in the Old and New Testament telling you how to get born again, the Bible would be about that thick. I mean, it, there's very little in there. The rest of the Bible is all written about growing up, about discipleship, 
And most of the people recorded in the word of God are uh, people who are already saved and or how they got saved, but how they continued on in this walk of life. And so again, Epaphras taught his congregation in the beginning at salvation and then throughout the entire span of their Christian life and grounded them in the grace of God. That was chapter one and verse seven. This was his main message. And again, he wanted them to remain on the same foundation as they begin with when they were saved. He's called faithful in chapter one and verse seven, the highest commendation which can be given to a minister. Paul mentions this twice in the book of Timothy, chapter one and verse 12, where Paul said, God found me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Second Timothy chapter two and verse two, where Timothy was told and search out among you faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. When you find them, they couldn't teach their way out of a paper bag. But you know what he said? No, find faithful men who future tense shall be able to teach others also. What is the foundation that God builds a ministry on? It's not teaching ability, it's faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. You might be filled with mistakes, but you keep on coming back and doing it again and again and again, working for God. And you keep doing that until you become more progressively better. You move out of those mistakes and failures, and you finally come to a place where God says, this is the person I've been looking for. What is it that God looks for? Not abilities, not a diploma on the wall. What God looks for is a faithful person. When you get to heaven, God's not going to say to you, well done, good and qualified servant. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's repeated over and over again in the word of God. And this includes all area of ministry, faithfulness to study, faithfulness to pray, faithfulness to worship, faithfulness to teach, and faithfulness to take care of your congregation. All these things were found inside of Epaphras. He told Paul of the love of the people and their spirituality despite any problems they might have occurred. In other words, Paul has talked to him. And what does he talk? He talks about the people. He talks about the love the people have for him. But Paul sees by him talking about the love that they have for him, he, Paul, can see, no, it's the other way around too. In fact, even greater, Epaphras has a great love for the people. Despite any problems the people have had, he continues to love them. He keeps his eyes on the spiritual attributes of the people rather than the problems they're going through. Although problems existed in Epaphras and Epaphras knew it, he chose to occupy himself with the majority of people who were following the Lord and growing in the Lord himself. You know, it's mentioned back there in in that verse of scripture too. He said, Epaphras, who is one of you? I love that passage. Why? Because apparently Epaphras grew up in the church. I think like the people that got saved in the church, he probably got saved too. Maybe his parents did. And they came to church and brought him and maybe in Sunday school or maybe in a children's class or something, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he fell in love with the church and became, and from that point on, maybe by the age of, 10 or 11, he started helping in a class. And maybe by his teenage years, he started looking for ways he could usher and greet. And perhaps like in chapter six of Acts, he looked for ways to help the widows. I mean, these are things that could have happened. He just looked for anything he could do. But the one thing that Paul says here, he called him faithful. 
one of the most important things about a minister is their faithfulness to study, their faithfulness to pray, their faithfulness to take care of the people, and their faithfulness to keep on loving people, despite the fact that they do some dumb things once in a while. Say, yeah, but what I do about people doing dumb things, remember that you've done dumb things too, and God forgave you. Thank God there were people there to stand beside you that even though you failed, they were there to help pick you up, dust you off, and keep you going, and God wants you to do the same as others have done for you, and you're a success today because not only of God's grace, but also because of the love of people, that's how people are going to react around you. When you have the same love for them and the same purpose to help them grow up, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22, what I was going to say also about Epaphras again was he said he's one of you. He came up through the ranks of the congregation. This is why I say he didn't travel with Paul, but why is this important? It's not absolutely necessary you go to a Bible college, not absolutely necessary that you go to a Bible school, although I highly recommend it. But on the other hand, if you don't have that or even the finances for it, you are living in a Bible school. You are living in a Bible college. It's called your local church. And he apparently, since he came up from among them and he had been that church and he said, who is one of you, the congregation, he came out of that. He used the church as a means of learning about people and learning about the preaching and teaching of the word of God. And so that's what made him successful. And Paul says that. I think it's interesting sometimes when a church is looking for a pastor, they look way out there and they say, well, maybe if they come from Texas, oh, no, no, they might come from mine. And they start looking for from a long way off, thinking that the better they are is because they're from a long way off when possibly right under your nose is the next pastor. He came up through the children's church. He came up through the youth department. He came up because he's been ushering and helping people. But after a while, familiarity breeds contempt and you overlook them because, oh, that's just, you know, that's just Epaphras. He's been around here for so long and God saying, no, that's the type of person I look for, that they didn't have to go through the drug use. They didn't have to go through gangs. They didn't have to go through all the things, the problems of the world. They've been in church. They've been faithful and they're ready to take the reins of being a pastor of the church. Second Timothy chapter two and verse 22 says this, flee youthful lust. This is Paul talking to Timothy and he's talking about the ministry, flee youthful lust. I like what one translation says, flee sins of immaturity. What are sins of immaturity? trying to build the biggest church in town, trying to have every sermon outdo the last sermon. I mean, we could go on and on with things that you try to do to improve yourself when all you need to do is just stay faithful to the word of God. Flee youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So again, apparently in these verses of scripture, we find out about Epaphras that just like these verses were here, he kept continuing to have to flee youthful lusts and he kept sticking with the truth of the word of God and grew to a point of great maturity to lead this congregation. He was apparently from the city of Colossae because when he said he's, he's part of you, he probably meant not just the church, he grew up around this area. So he knows the city, he knows the church. He was from that local congregation. Again, this is brought out in chapter four in verse 12. He might actually have been saved in the church because he said he's one of you, came up through the ranks and became the pastor of the church. So when people look around, oftentimes they might take him for granted, but they have to all say and shake their heads saying at the same time, he's come a long way. I remember that dumb kid that was back there in that kindergarten class. I remember that dumb kid that was back there in the children's church and all the silly things he said, but look at him today. What a man of God. And notice this again, Epaphras didn't pray for himself. 
What did he pray for? He didn't pray for good sermons or a great uh, powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. He prayed earnestly for the congregation. That's chapter four and verse 12 and was interested in their welfare above his. He prayed for the word to be understood by his people and for them to grow and mature in all the will of God. Chapter four and verse 12. He prayed for them to grow and to understand his sermons. Not that I would preach a good sermon, but that the Holy Spirit would reveal it to them to where they can grow and mature in the things of God. His desire was for spiritual maturity among the congregation and for them to be unmovable in every area of the Christian. In life. So this meant they had to be taught in every area of life. And he was not afraid to venture into all types of things in the word of God. Even though he didn't know it, he would study it until he had a confidence to share it with them. He also had a spiritual burden for his city of Colossae. That's brought out in chapter four and verse 13, as well as the entire Lycus Valley of which the church was located in. So he didn't just love his people. He loved what was going on in that entire area and wanted to shake his city, as well as the other cities around there. What a great pastor he was. What a great pastor you can be. What a great pastor you can mature and grow into. If you just continue to follow the word of God, be faithful to your calling and faithful to the God that called you. See you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.